podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting has come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Chessy Hour. I'm your host for today, Shemi, and I'm joined by Timson. How are you doing, bro? Oh, how am I doing? Ugh, it's, a, it's a tough <laughs> one to ask, but this is making me feel better. Good to be on with you, Chems. Yeah, man. It's, it's been a while since I've, since I've um, chopped it up with you over, over Chessy, man. So it's good. Happy to be here with you. Um, yeah, just to plug the usuals, make sure you follow. If you're not following Touchline or Chessy, then you're listening then that's a bit weird so yeah make sure you get doing that um be sure to interact as well um with any thoughts on the pod any opinions on anything we say whether you agree or disagree um feel free to at us at me at yeah anyone individually um and yeah like share follow all of that so let's get into let's get down to business so i think chelsea are on a run of two wins in 14 i believe it is i believe it is i i, I saw a picture of of every single result we've had since, since I think it was, is it just after the World Cup or maybe just before the World Cup? And yeah, it, it's, it's very, very bad. It, it's scary. Quite frankly, it's scary. So before we get into like the game and how the matches have been playing out recently, Timson, I, w- I want to ask you about, about Graham Potter because I haven't really heard your thoughts. You know, you know, you keep your, your contributions in the group chat uh, very, very short and sweet. You keep it uh, very few and far between, which is what I like. So I want I want to hear your thoughts on Potter. So um, how are you feeling about him? Um, do you believe in where we're going on, under him? Do you want him out? Um, are you willing to give him time? How, how how do you feel about Graham Potter? Just generally, chat to me. Honestly, I haven't been vocal about Potter in general in the chat or just on. Twitter specifically because it's so hard for me to have a strong opinion. Mm. Everyone, everyone knows it's not working right now. People are trying to say, "Oh yeah, I'm seeing improvement. Uh, give it time," and they will float Arteta in our uh, in Chelsea fans' faces in terms of trust the process. But the the same mindset was applied to Frank Lampard, and I think most people can agree that even if we had given Frank Lampard from when he was manager till now, we still wouldn't have improved much under him. So someone said it in a thread that um, basically more time doesn't equal improvement, by the way. Um, So I'm looking at Potter and it's so hard to find any source of encouragement in the sense that 
outside of the individual brilliance of uh, Jao Felix at West Ham, um, Enzo just coming in and looking like the quality that he was meant to bring to the squad. He looks quality. And Badiashile, like individual performances are kind of what's lifting my spirits, not necessarily the tactics that um, Potter's bringing in, the, the lineups that he's choosing. Mm-hmm. Um, even even just his demeanor, he seems mm. like people are people are people are getting excited because he's giving it back to to I haven't listened to a Potter press conference since he became the manager because he's got no charisma and that's not an issue. But it's so hard for me to see this guy in the changing rooms galvanizing players, like lighting a fire on the players to get more out of the team than there's some individual parts because some of those individual parts are lacking so all in all it's I'm, I'm i just don't have an opinion on potter right now but if you asked me if you forced me to give an opinion i could only have negatives and critiques because mm. let me let me let, sorry let me just quickly stop you there just real quick i'm oh, so yeah. sorry yeah i'm so sorry but I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna let you finish yeah i just want to note something important that you said yeah um individual brilliance and i think it's very very important for fans to notice because a lot I feel, I feel like a lot of time a lot of the time yeah i've seen this in other teams as well when individuals are shining a lot of fans get blinded by that do you know what i mean i think it's very very important yeah because the level that felix is playing at in the last few games has been of a very high level enzo fernandez same similar but um and i think it's very, very important to to know the difference when it's like individuals um, as opposed to like a team actually being coached to play um the way they are but yeah carry on sorry yeah, and I was just saying, more so than anything, there's nothing that I can directly attribute to Graham Potter at this point in time that makes me think, yeah, apart from being the ownership's choice for manager to lead this um, squad's rehabilitation and renovation, um, apart from him being the chosen one by the owners, there's not much for me to pull positives from because even like at the start, I'm, we're used to a Conte, we're used to a Tuchel, uh, even a Lampard to a degree coming in and implementing a simplistic version or beta version of the style of play that they ultimately really want to play with the squad they have at their disposal. This guy obviously had it rough in the, when he first took over, but he's now had a cash injection. He's had quality added to the squad and I'm not seeing much improvement by the way, by way of kind of um, style of play, build-up play. And that might be because of him. He's more mm. uh, someone who adapts to the opposition as opposed to my ideal manager um, was a peak Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool with a 4-3-3, but a 4-3-3 that was refined to deal with multiple tactics um, and counter-tactics from opposition managers. So that's the way I like it. But him, he's more of a chameleon. Um, is Sterling playing as a wing back or is part <laughs> of the country. That fluid style, like mm. I get it, it makes a lot of sense. And manage opposition managers, like um, we've seen the Brentford manager get confused by it and ask that question at half time um, earlier in the season. Why do you change your Why do you change your formation so often? Um, but for me, I feel like um, familiarity breeds consistency. Um, and if you refine if you refine those tactics to a point where this is my position and I'm situation based in the sense that if I come up against a wing back instead of a full back, I know to do this and do that. But um, just to answer your question, long and short of it, Shems, to stop my run, um, it's, there's very little I see. 
there's very little I see um, from him apart from playing youngsters, giving youngsters an opportunity. That's probably it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you in a sense that I'm like you. I don't really voice my opinions on the team. or I, I only really talk about individuals, to be honest, because... Um, yeah, I don't really like Twitter, <laughs> to be honest. Um, it's just so toxic and, yeah, people don't stop crying. But, um, yeah, I haven't really voiced my opinion on Potter, but I'm, I'm, I'm in large with you. I think, I think one of my biggest worries, um, I think, over the past couple of weeks is that I've come to kind of the, the, the conclusion that I think, uh, yeah, I just think the, the job is, it, it looks like it's a bit too big for him in a sense that, like, the expectation, the amount of eyes on Chelsea, um, the the level of kind of opposition that we play in terms of like, you know, a high level Champions League game. Um, and yeah, just the general, I think the general expectation to get results, um, I think it's weighing on him a, a, a bit. I think it's a bit too heavy for him um, because um, I was saying this to a couple of people this week that I watched quite a bit of Brighton when he was there and the run that Chelsea are on now, is a run that I've seen Brighton go on a few times, right? But, you know, it's Brighton. There's not as much eyes on them, you know, with all due respect to Brighton. They're not um, as big a club as Chelsea. Um, and the expectation for Chelsea to pick up wins consistently um, and to not be in these type of ruts, you know, I don't know if he's able to kind of deal with that because the way we are right now, it, it doesn't look like he kind of he couldn't he, he he can find a solution to this if that makes sense. And there's big pressure on him to find that solution. Um, and I can't I can't I, I don't know, man. I, I hope I'm wrong because obviously I want us to succeed and I and I like him as a person. But it doesn't look like he can find a way out of this essentially um, because the expectation is great. Like the expectation of this football club and of any top six football club is is to win consistently. Do you know what I mean? To win consistently. Um, and I'm. You know he's never done that at Brighton, really. Um, but yeah, this is this is a massive club, and I'm just not sure he can kind of handle um, the expectation of what's expected at Chelsea. Um, that's kind of my worry recently. On the pitch, it's been scary. Um, barring the last two games, I say the last two games were okay, um, but before that, it was completely dire, and I couldn't see what he was trying to implement. So yeah, like you, there's very little reason to draw any hope. Um, from what's going on right now. Um, and like the cash injection of players and stuff, it kind of just, you know, papers over the cracks a little bit because, you know, we're still struggling with the same problem and that's putting the ball in the back of the net. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of, yeah. Go on. Just to add on what you're saying, that's just, that's a problem he's had at Brighton as well and he never managed yes. to crack that now. Yes, and exactly. we've got, we've got hundreds of millions. So, mm. and yeah. he's got, and it doesn't, I'm not sure if Chelsea are going to then go out and buy a Victor Osimhen or an Ivan Tony to give to him at this point in time with Christopher and Kunku um, pretty much all but signed. So mm. if, he, if he just has to deal with Nkunku and potentially um, a distraught Lukaku, what happens? Mm. And I think, I think going on to like the whole striker thing and all that, I think... Because um, this is this is a nice segue into yesterday's game. Um, I personally, um, I found the the narrative of you know yesterday's game um, happened like in terms of the chances we missed. I I found the narrative of our oh, Chelsea need a striker, and then that will solve this issue. I found it just a little bit lazy because 
the thing about yesterday's game is that it's not as if all the chances fell to um, Kai Havertz, for example. So Kai Havertz was the starting striker, right? And it's not like I don't remember him actually having any of the chances. I think Felix had the Felix had about three. Ziyech had one. Kulibali had one. Enzo had one. So none of them actually fell to Kai. And the whole narrative after the game was, oh, Chelsea need a striker. Chelsea need a striker. But in my head, I was thinking, okay, cool. If let's say Aubameyang was playing, or I don't know whoever was playing, right? And none of the chances actually fell to him. How would that have solved the issue? Do you get what I'm saying? So I found that just a little bit lazy yesterday um, in terms of like what the punditry was saying. And I feel like finishing generally, um, it should be um, a trait that's shared amongst all of your, your attacking players, not just a striker. I feel like your your wide men should be able to finish. Um, if someone's playing in the position that Jao Felix is playing, so just behind the striker, um, who more often than not, they're going to pick up positions close to goal in and around the box, they should be able to finish too. Um, I said in my other chat yesterday that Bruno Fernandes, he he would score um, one of the chances that Felix had um, because he can strike the ball really well and he, he's finishing is very, very good. And I feel like um, players, just any player that's playing close to goal should be able to finish and of a good level. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like, yes, while strikers, it's their job to score goals, whatever, yeah, cool. But in the context of yesterday's game, I felt it was a bit lazy just simply because Havertz didn't actually get any of the chances. Um, I don't know if you agree with that. What, what, what do you think? Because there was that whole debacle of like, oh yeah, Chelsea need a striker, blah, blah, blah. And I think Melchior said something to the board or something as well. Um, I'm, inclined, yeah. I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you, Shems. Um, I've had reservations about pundits in general, but it's very lazy for them. You wonder for all the money that they get paid, do they do their research? Because they make it seem like this one thing, the introduction of a striker, will fix everything. Wasn't mm. it a similar thought process that pundits were screaming about? They need a striker, they need a striker. We go and they need a striker and they go ahead and win the league. We go and get Lukaku, who was one of at the time one of the best strikers available on the market. And that didn't solve our problems. Mm. Now, in regards to chances, I agree. A lot of the chances, very few of the chances fell to Kai um, outside of obviously the penalty, the penalty shout. Um, but in general, I will say uh, with a true out-and-out striker, and I'm just going to name an old one, like I feel you take Kai out and you put in an Olivier Giroud, we look more dangerous. Why is that? We, I feel like we have, in those, we have a focal point who essentially brings our wider players into play. So, uh, so Mudrik can mm -hmm. gamble on flick-ons. Mm -hmm. We've got someone who can hold the ball, who wants to play with his back to goal just to bring in and be a wall for his Yao Felix, who wants to be a focal point and channel the and, and be a conduit for the rest of the attack. So he can flick on for your wide players like Mudrik. He can um, be do a one-two with your Yao Felix, Yao Felix. And then when the moments, when we're chasing the game towards the end, he's a danger in the air to the point where I'm looking at Reese James. I'm not looking at last night. I'm looking at Reese James and he's trying to put the ball in. And obviously the centre-backs had, sta had stayed up. But when time before it got to that desperation stage in injury time, Stone it would have been nice to be able to have that target man to hit who could be a problem in the air, just to give them something, a, a different area of worry. Because Kai is not that. And you've got one of the best deliverers in the country and he's got essentially no one to hit. 
who's a who's a who's a who's a who's a potent threat on a regular basis in the air. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's that's a very very fair point, and I I think I agree, uh, and I think with Giroud, he's probably one of the the best players in terms of when the ball drops in the penalty area, like the six yard box or in and around the, the penalty box. Um, very clinical, very very clinical. Um, I remember, um, I remember a goal he scored against Manchester United in the FA Cup um, in two thousand and twenty. Um, when James, just the situation you're talking about, James like running down um, the right hand side, puts the ball into the near post, and Giroud, that, that that cash money flick that he always does on the near post. Do you know what I mean? It's all about attacking those areas. Um, and and Havertz doesn't. He, he, the, the, the truth is, he's not always a box presence. Um, I think a lot of the time when we're looking, when we're kind of we're building down the wings, um, he's kind of you know like maybe he's on the penalty spot, like on the edge a little bit. He's not like as as close to goal as he could be. Um, so yeah, you're right. There is there, there's, there's not really anyone to hit. And to be fair to him, he's actually pretty good in the air. So if he was kind of in in those areas a lot more, you know, maybe he could grab a few more goals. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with that. Um, but yeah, um, like I said, I feel like you know the burden of finishing it should be like uh, you should have a few guys who can finish in your team um yeah. and not just you know oh, the, the number nine um but yeah sorry just when you were talking about the lazy pundits there's another thing that came to my mind as well i think it's on sky sports they were talking about the amount of changes potter made yesterday and i was thinking and they completely ignored the fact that we have players that were um not legible for the cl but anyway yeah these lot they just jar me i, I can't watch them it's ridiculous. but um <laughs> moving then, on to the game gone just real quick some of these changes are changes that everybody's screaming for mm. badia tile um swapping dropping out and Kulabali dropping in is unavoidable because of exactly um, registration exactly. unavoidable yeah. then you look at reese james of course you want reese james yeah. role mm-hmm. kukurea he's been diabolical for a well I, I won't even go as far as as far as to say call him diabolical, but in terms of bringing Mudrich into the game and just giving us a bit of cutting edge as a attack minded left back, Ben Chilwell, I think everyone mm. everyone really good most, him, most people were calling for that. We're calling mm. for that change. Um, did it improve Mudrich? Uh, we can talk about it, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I feel like those changes, those changes made made sense. And then obviously you can debate Noni Noni for Ziyech, like mm-hmm. yeah. And obviously Noni's not even registered, so exactly that was unavoidable exactly. as well. So not really, not really sure what um, people have an issue with in terms of the changes. As I said, it's just lazy journalism again. Yeah, man. On on literally on Sky Sports, they were literally saying, "Ah, oh, Potter's made another." Three, four changes. Like the way I changed the channel ASAP, I was like, "Are you guys serious? Like, this is enforced. This is just the laziness is. Oh man, it's so so bad." But yeah, moving on to the game. Um, I actually, um, I wasn't mad at the performance. Um, I thought the performance was actually, it, it was okay. It mm, it was good. It was good in parts. Yeah, it, I thought it was good in parts. I thought the second half we largely controlled largely controlled in the second half. And I thought the first half, even though it was a it was very back and forth, um, similar to like a boxing match, um, I thought we looked really dangerous on the counter-attack. Um, even though we lacked, we probably lacked a bit of control in the first half, but we looked a threat, um, which was good enough for me. Um, and then the second half, like I said, I feel like we largely controlled. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of people have kind of... I've kind of um, skimmed through social media this morning. Um, 
a lot of people have obviously spoken about the amount of shots we had. I think it was 19 shots in the end. Um, uh, Felix hit the bar. Um, he missed another great chance. Uh, a lot of people have spoken about the amount of chances we created, which, yes, I agree is definitely a step forward because, like I said, um, most of our games on the bottom, we haven't created anything. We literally have not created anything. Uh, but as you touched on at the top of the pod, I'm putting it more down to individual brilliance, the individual brilliance of Jao Felix. Um, yeah, mainly just Jao Felix and Enzo Fernandez. to be fair. Enzo has, he's helped in terms of, he's, he's been punching those balls in through the Lions quite quickly. Um and obviously, you got a great assist against West Ham. But yeah, um, overall, I was happy that we created chances because, um, yeah, like I said, that's, that's just been non-existent in all, in most of the games on the Potter. Um, but yeah, how, how did you feel at the end of the game? Did you share the similar sentiment or um, did, you, did you have um, different thoughts? No, I agree. It's so nice to make chances and... You can blame a lack of cutting edge more so than creativity being your issue because that's something we've struggled with for so mm. long. And Felix, because he doesn't suit my ideal Chelsea in terms of the style of football that I want them to play, the kind of personnel that is required to play that system, I've never kind of I've said, yeah, he, he looks good, but I've never really said, oh, I'd love him at, at my team. So. It's been quite surreal watching him absolutely um, ball out, especially in the particularly in the West Ham game. And um, what's yeah. the only thing that um, was a little bit disappointing is obviously the finishing because when he finished the chance at West Ham, he looked certified. He looked like he's been doing that for fun his whole life. Yeah, that one touch finish. Mm. Look, look at the offside flag to see if he was off this time. Boom, mm. and he just walked away like it was so casual. And you just. Um, you just wondered when he hit the when he hit the crossbar, um, hit the post. Sorry, where was that composure? I think uh, you know what I'm. I'm gonna say it was off night, you know, because you've literally reminded me of how good that goal against West Ham was. And like you said, it wasn't as if he had to think about it. It was so natural. Do you know what I mean? The composure was just so natural. Um, and I remember he scored a great goal in the World Cup. I think it was against Ghana. When he went through one on one, chipped the goalkeeper. Even against West Ham, um, the offside goal when he chipped the goalkeeper again, it hit the post, but it was offside. That was again brilliant composure. So I'm I'm gonna put the Dortmund game to off night. I'm gonna put it down to off night. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on optimistic side. But yeah, um, like you said, it's it's good to see your teammate chances. Um, literally watching Chelsea. Oh my god, like it's just so it's so boring. Like. We, in, in most of the games we played on the Potter, it's like one chance per game. Um, so yeah, yesterday seeing us make more than enough chances to win the game was was definitely a positive. Um, another thing I was going to say actually is that um, before we go into like individual performances, I was going to say um, at the top of the pod we said that we're struggling to find um, anything, any bit of encouragement on the Potter. I think there's one thing you can say that has been good over the past six or so weeks um, is that defensively we've tightened up a lot um and i'd say we don't look that suspect i know yesterday in the first half was a bit of a boxing match but i think generally um we haven't been conceding loads of chances i would say um before yesterday um but even yesterday i don't think Dortmund had that many chances to be honest they had a few half chances in the first half but second half we we nullified them for the most part but even but in previous games um we've looked quite solid and i think yesterday that continued yesterday 
Um, obviously, Badia Shile, who is not in the Champions League squad, he's been fantastic. And yesterday, Koulibaly was fantastic. Um, again, um, with Thiago Silva. Um, Koulibaly, for me, he's not a bad player. Um, he's not been good this season, but he I, I've seen enough to know that he's not a bad defender. And yesterday, he, sh- he, he was class. He was really class. Um, you know, Thiago Silva... Game by game, he's not slowing down. He's going to give you minimum 7.5, 8 performance every game now. Um, but it was good to see Koulibaly come in and play really well. Um, yeah, what did you think of Koulibaly's performance and um, any other individuals that kind of stood up to you? Yeah, I mean, um, with the back line, um, I'm going to talk about West Ham back line. I think that partnership of Kulabali Badiashil is absolutely solid. Tiago Silva Badiashil. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Uh, Tiago Silva Badiashil. I think that's my favourite partnership and I, I want to see that as the main partnership for the remainder of the season. Uh, Reese James, we know about him, lockdown defender um, and one of our greatest offensive threats. Kulabali, uh, sorry, I keep saying um, Kukurea. So when he what he lacks in terms of Chilwell's dynamism in the final third. He makes up for it by trying to be astute and rigid in the um, first third um, and just trying to be defensively solid. So I think the energy of kind of a settled back four for the most part, um, give or take one or two changes, um, one or two unavoidable changes, I feel that, that that resonates. And to be honest, I feel like against certain teams, where Chelsea are dominating, I think you could take a Sunday league player and put him next to Thiago Silva at centre-back um, with Reese James further and um, a, a somewhat uh, a recovering to full fitness Ben Chilwell and you'd feel somewhat comfortable. So I think the momentum that the centre-back pairing in the back line in general has um, generated over the last couple of games has kind of carried over into the Dortmund game. Plus you have um, Enzo in front of them as well, which adds a layer of kind of um, security, like an option, someone who's all, who always wants to be on the ball, who always wants to receive it. And they have, unlike a Jorginho, um, a bit more legs. Yeah. That, that additional layer of defensive cover. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting point um, because a lot of people were cooking Enzo um, for getting outpaced by one of the fastest wingers in Europe, <laughs> Kerry Mandiabi, who would probably run past 90% of DMs on this planet. But that's neither here or there. Um, I think Enzo in the midfield, in, in, like in terms of midfield duels and battles, he's shown that he's, he, he's, he's, got, he's, he's got good enough legs to get about the pitch. Um, and generally, I, I really like Enzo. I think he, generally his tech is, 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 is impressing me the most. Um, the assist um, on Saturday was great, um, just showing that he's got the inventiveness, uh, the vision, and the execution of pass. And then yesterday, I don't think yesterday he had his greatest game, if I'm honest with you. But even still, he was still very good in the build-up. Um, like you said, he's got that Jorginho, my, um, just a build-up kind of trait. But when he's in and around the box, he's also threatening. He can also he can he can like play an, an incisive pass or he can he can he can shoot as well um that shot at the end of the game yesterday was, was close um so yeah I, I i really like what i've seen of enzo so far um uh his his beautiful partner yesterday loftus cheek deserves a mention as well i think he was oh, yes. very i think he was solid yesterday i can't lie i think he was solid oh, he yeah. was i saw him putting him tackles i was like wow like <laughs> you know loftus cheek you know you've always been my guy but 
I've never seen you tackle like that. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't lie and say I've seen you tackle, but I saw him put in a few tackles. Um, I laughed at you in the group chat when you said when you saw him spray that ball towards the edge and, and you sat up. I was like, I was the same thing. When I saw him spray that ball, I said, whoa, what is going on here? But yeah, he he was he had a very good game. Um, I think Chilwell deserves special mentions as well. I think Chilwell had gave us a solid 65 minutes. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, any, any others that you had thoughts on? Uh, not for a positive, but yeah, just to add my praise for Ruben, I think he's starting to give in that double pivot, very well-rounded performances. Um, and I hope to see it continue, um, before competition kind of regains fitness and start to challenge him, whether that be Kante, Kovacic, or even Carney kind of looking into the mix or Andre Santos coming back from, um, the Sudo Americano with a captain's armband and winner's medal. So, um, for now, um, I quite like him uh, complimenting Enzo in that in that position because he knows when to sit and uh, to allow Enzo to to drive. Uh, whereas someone like a Conor Gallagher or a Mason Mount, um, they pushed, they tend to push forward to impact the final third, um, and that some that might inhibit Enzo from um, giving us the excellent passing he has in the final third, where it's most dangerous in terms of creation for our attackers. So yeah, in terms of disappointing performances or performance, I'm not sorry. Before you point. before you go into disappointing, sorry, I just wanted to add something called Ruben. Um, yeah, yeah, Ruben, always been my guy. I've never slandered him. Probably never yep. will slander him. But the problem with him is just that consistency. I think that's why the fourth midfield role is probably perfect because you know you're not a reliant. We're not relying on you to start every week. Um, but yeah, because I can think back to games like this season against Arsenal at the Bridge, where he was just awful. Um, one or two other performances as well this season. Um, this season or end up back in the last, I'm not sure. But then he's also had some really good performances. So like against Crystal Palace last season, the FA Cup semi final, um, against Southampton back end of the season, against Real Madrid. Do you know what I mean? So it's just like it's just that consistency. But I know he's great in him. He's great in him to deliver a solid performance when we need him. So yeah, man, if he keeps that up until um Kante cover back to fitness then I can't complain at all. But yeah, disappointments gone. Um I don't want to dwell on it too long because we give it time. But uh Madrid, it was a game that he'd probably forget. Nothing really came off for him. The dribbles that he tried, the through he tried a lot of things. He tried a lot of things and they just never just didn't come off. But um he's got a seven year contract. We it he's still acclimating to a new country, uh, a new t- new team, a new culture. So, uh, and a manager who's not completely um, set on the style of football that he wants to play at the moment. So, um, yeah, we go again. Mm, yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. Um, yeah, tried a lot, not a lot came off. I think one thing I do like about him is that he he tries that incentive intensive pass like when he cuts in and it's not like let's say Havertz is running he'll play that pass um, which I like he's done it against West Ham when Havertz scored an offside goal and he done it yesterday as well but yeah um, yeah like you said we go again because yesterday I, th- I think in the first half he was he was actually alright um, but second half was, was poor um, so yeah we'll see we'll see on him um, yeah I guess that's enough of Borussia Dortmund um if we re- rewind back to Saturday, obviously a one-one draw, one-one draw against West Ham. Again, this was a game that um, 
at the end of it, I, I wasn't too angry. But as the days kind of went on, I thought about it. I thought to myself, wait, hold on. That second half, I don't remember Fabianski having to make a save. Do you know what I mean? So I think, um, obviously, we got, we got to see Noni from the start. Um, so it'd be interested to know how you thought he did. Um, I think the first half was was pretty good. Um, again, heavily um, Jao Felix orientated. But I think Modric, oh, sorry, not Modric, um, Madueke first half also had his fair share of the ball, you know, cutting in, he had a couple shots. Um, and even Havertz as well. I think Havertz had his fair share um, of contribution in the first half and Enzo Fernandez. Um, but Jao Felix was obviously head and shoulders above everyone. Um, but yeah, like I said, I feel like the second half performance just it really just petered out on the whimper. Um, I don't remember us doing anything in the second half, like anything at all. Um, and it's so disappointing because West Ham's goal was so scrappy. Um, we literally gifted it to them. Um, but yeah, um, we didn't create enough to win that game, I don't think, uh, personally. Um, obviously, we had two offside goals, but they were correctly offside, so there's not much we can say. Um, but yeah, generally, I don't feel like we had, we did, we created enough to win that game. Um, should have had a penalty at the end, but you know, VAR is just on the madness as usual. Um, but yeah, I was gonna ask you, so how did you feel Madureke did? Because I've seen, I've seen some mixed opinions on, on him. Some people saying he was poor, some people saying he was decent. I thought he was decent in the first half, but then faded in the second half. But what did you think? Yeah, um. I would give mixed reviews as well. So for those that don't know, I've been big on Noni since he made that move to PSV. And yes, you have actually. I remember yeah. I searched the group chat and you and the, the other guy were not allowed to say his the scout were not allowed to say his name because of privacy. But yeah, you still were big on him um, back in 2020. Yeah. But yeah, continue. We were big and um, the fact that he impressed them so much, they fast-tracked him from the reserve side straight to the first team um, because he his record in the first four games, I think he was like six and four. Uh, I've been big on him since then. Uh, but my one issue with Noni um, that I like wingers to overcome is I don't like wingers who are ball dominant. So you say someone like Jack Grealish, who does it to great effect when, he's, when, when the team revolves around him. Um, he's kind of had that, the way Jack's struggled to acclimate fully to Pep's style um, is because he's so used to doing everything he does well on the ball. Mm-hmm. And Noni's best asset is his dribbling, cutting inside, mm-hmm. being dangerous. I like my. I like to. Um, Michael Bill said in in the Chelsea academy when he gets a good winger, you will. Okay, can you play? Can you beat a man with a one-two? Can you be a threat off the ball with your movement? Can we round out your game? Um, so when you do, so your dribbling comes alive because everything else in your game is so deadly. But then it makes your deadliest attribute, which is his dribbling and his ability to cut inside and shoot, even more dangerous because now defenders have to be as equally wary about his ability to make good movements in behind. Um, play a one-two, so draw you, suck you in, thinking you have an opportunity to get tight to him. He pops the ball off and before you know it, he's round you. Um, I said his dribbling is his best asset, but... 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're going to see the limitations of that because he needs he needs more than that at, the, at this point in time in the to to kind of thrive at the Premier League level, let alone Chelsea level. So all in all, I think what you saw. Um, in terms of his critiques at West Ham were the limitations of him being a ball-dominant winger who relies maybe a little bit too heavily on his on his dribbling at this point in time, on top of the other um, factors of getting used to the squads, um, the style of play, and just starting to feel comfortable um, wearing that Chelsea shirt. Yeah, I really like that point um, because it's very true. Um, you know, I think you're always going to have a limit to your danger if everything you do is on the ball. Um, yeah, I completely agree. I think the only thing I'd probably say is that do you feel that there was enough space in behind West Ham for him to make those movements? Because you know how West Ham are very, like, you know, low block team, they don't allow space in behind. So do, do you feel like there was because you know, Mudrick struggled to kind of get in behind. Um, actually, well, I tell a lie. He did a few times, but Kukurela just didn't play the ball. Um, so maybe that answers that question. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's probably one. That's just one rebuttal I had. What, what do you think? So I'd probably just say, um, did he give them thoughts to worry about it? So did he make that Did he make that sprint um, down the touchline, then quickly dart back in to receive the ball short, just to make them wary of the potential for the long ball? Probably not. Mm. Um, mm, I like you said, Mudrik, Mudrik, um, that's his movement in behind and then coming to short. If if it's not on, he can he he's he's then pulled he's then stretched the defender and he's able to get the ball to feet and then he can be dangerous with his one v one dribbling. Noni, because he because it's not really his game running in behind at this moment in time, um, he probably neglects that movement more more so than a Mudrik. So that would probably be my answer in that did he did he do enough to um put the plant that seed in the defender's mind. Um because there's a lot that happens um in those short split moments. Like someone highlighted for the uh, Adiemi goal that obviously Enzo got cooked for pace, but obviously we know Adiemi's left footed, but he tried to slow Enzo tried to slow him up as best he can. But in that movement he touched um Adiemi touched the ball in terms of tapping it with his right foot um, 10 times in that sequence before in the, in, in the counter-attack before the goal. So that gives a lot of indication that he might shift inside. Um, but then he decides, so he's planting a seed in Enzo's mind. Um, and it's those little things that people watching the game in real time might not be able to uh, comprehend, but it plants a seed in a defender's mind and makes him think, OK, I need to be wary. I, mean, I need to be wary. I can't get too side on. Um, because if he goes, but if he goes toward, if he goes to my right, it's gonna. I'm, I'm gonna have to turn my whole body, and with his pace, he'll be gone. So he slowed down a little bit. He slowed down a little bit just to make sure that he's not caught unawares. If Adiemi does go right um, to his right, and then Adiemi's seen him 
kind of he slowed down now's the time to go and obviously we know what happens it's those little things that i feel like uh nonny needs to work on to his game just implanting those um the, the, those seeds of caution to allow him to do what he wants to do best um in addition to rounding out his skill set so yeah i'm a dangerous dribbler but if you give me the space i will run in behind i don't need to beat you straight up to get past you and get get the ball in dangerous positions mm, yeah i feel you um yeah, I feel you. Before we move on, sorry, I was going to ask you, obviously, because you I'm happy you're here because you reminded me. You reminded me that um, you are you were actually big on him a few years ago. So um, what what do you think he can bring to Chelsea like at his best? Um, obviously, I know a lot of people have watched Cops, but um, you're someone that I've trust, like has watched him properly from, from a while back. Um, he's still young, he's still only 20, but what do you think he can actually bring to Chelsea? Like, what's his best attributes? Yeah, he's um, a dynamic dribbler. So when he is dribbling, which is by far his best asset, um, he can go multiple directions. He can go inside, outside. Um, he's got multiple faint movements. So he it, it's going to, in over the course of a 90-minute game, it's tough for a defender to get a consistent read on how he goes with his dribbling. And then he's going to, because of his um, stature and his size, he's going to be far more robust than your average winger, who's about 5'9 um, or, or, or shorter um, because of his robust nature. So he's already probably better suited to the Premier League than most defenders, most wingers, that especially the ones that we have available, like a Pulisic or um, a Ziyech to that matter. And he's definitely more athletic than Ziek on that right-hand side. Ziek is like, uh, he's just an attacking midfielder who plays out wide, who can who can deliver a very nice ball from an angle um, mm. at certain stages. Noni is a true winger in terms of, I will get chalk on my boots. I will stretch defenders. I will create gaps between the full-back and um, the center back for play for for midfielders to op to, to for midfielders making runs in the half space and through to exploit um and obviously he when he gets comfortable i think he's going to be a goal for it when he opens his account he can he can go on a run and just be a legitimate consistent goal for it for chelsea which is something that we desperately need in lieu of obviously uh, a a legitimate striker um to score goals and um, consistent attacking options on the left because I'm not sure how much of a goal threat Mudrik is going to be. Um, I think a lot of people will focus on stopping him running in behind um, as opposed to Nonny. Um, his thing is running at you. Um, I don't need the space to run in behind. I'll run at you, get create my, create my space, get my shot off and be a problem. Yeah, that was very thorough. Thanks. Thanks for that. Um... Yeah, we definitely look at. I, I saw what you were saying. I saw those in the comps, but obviously comps are comps, so you know <laughs> I don't want to say that. Probably it's good to to get it from someone that's really actually watched him from from the young days, um, and you know watched a good amount of him um, before he actually came to Chelsea. So um, that's that. I, is there anything else? I think before we go into listeners' questions, there was a couple of things. One thing I wanted to ask you. Shane. Yeah, go on. Yeah, all right, Southampton. Surely yes, that's the one yeah. <laughs> so this is the question I'm going to ask you. Um, does this, if say, say we don't get, a, say we lose to Southampton, no, say we don't beat Southampton, or worse yet, say we lose to Southampton, does that shift anything? Does that shift the needle in any way in the sense that, okay, we can't beat pretty much bottom of the league? 
um, relegation relegation bound Southampton at this point. They've just sacked their manager after what ninety five days in charge. Um, if we cannot beat them, like does that does that change your does that move the needle on your opinion of Graham Potter? I think it does, man. I think if we if we look, let's say we lost that game, heaven forbid, yeah. Let's say we lost that game, yeah, at, at home. I think it does. I think one or two people around the club will start to rethink what's happening, I think, in terms of, okay, have we given the right guy the the project? Like, is this the right guy? Um, because if we lose to Southampton, like you said, bottom of the league, you know, um, who can we actually beat? And um, at that point, it will have got to the point whereby, okay, this is gone past the point of a blip and it's a full-blown crisis like a full-blown crisis and you know when it hits crisis level you have to make a change do you know what i'm saying like something something has to change whether it's like the players or whether it's like the man whatever something a decision has to be made um when things hit crisis level um so i know you mentioned um like arteta like sorry it wasn't you that mentioned it you was quoting other people who um have spoken about you know arteta process mm-hmm. blah 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 i don't think that's a model we should try to follow because Arteta should have been long con at one point. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, and a club like Chelsea, who are acclimatised to winning, they just don't have um, two seasons of, you know, finishing eighth in them, like what Arsenal did. Like, you, you know, with all due respect, Arsenal weren't winning, like, massive things beforehand anyway, before Arteta. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, whereas we have literally come off, like, what, in the last five, six years, we've been European champions, we've been Premier League champions. Like, we are successful. So we don't have that time. You know, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying a manager shouldn't be given time yet. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is we don't have the, we don't have it in us to just completely throw away two seasons the same way Arsenal did when they finished eighth twice. Do you know what I mean? Um, like, I don't think that's something we should be looking to kind of be okay with because that's just not us. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, if we don't, if we lose on Southampton... Something a decision needs to be made. Guys need to start rethinking, rethinking this whole project. <laughs> if we draw, similar vibe, but I think he'll survive. Um, and yeah, obviously, if we win, then great. Like that's you know, but that that's the funny thing about this whole like this whole, these whole these situations is that three like two, three, four wins on a on a bounce. You know, fans start to forget. Fans are fickle. Do you know what I mean? Uh, the ball's rolling again, and that's all it really needs. That's all we need. Um, so yeah, that's my take on that. I would say I'm not as confident something will happen if we lose to Southampton, um, as opposed to in 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 comparison to yourself. I just feel like this season at this point is all but a write-off. Finish in the top ten, and we consolidate and go from there. To give him that lengthy contract, um, to give him this much investment and backing publicly um, by way of kind of leaked information to ITKs and to sack the manager who was so highly reputed, who was so highly thought of by the Chelsea community um, at the time and even to this point to now, um, to sack him because he... Um, and say he and mentioned that Potter passed kind of like um, the ownership test that Thomas Tuchel failed. Um, then say that guy 
that mm. we've brought in over the manager that was so highly respected, won the Champions League, was one of the tactical colossuses in world football management to sack that guy and then bring in Graham Potter and then say, it's not working. Um, there's a lot of humility. Like Dan mentioned it in the last pod in terms of when Roman Abramovich sacked people, sacked managers that he stood by and um, he publicly um, advocated for in terms of this person will do well. That showed a lot of humility. And I'm not sure these, um, the American ownership, Bowley, Bali, Clear Lake, I'm not sure they have it in them. To be fair, I didn't mean sack, but you you make valid points, but, but I didn't mean sack. I just feel like I it might spark it. conversations. Yeah, I feel like at this point, every loss sparks yeah. conversations because um, we just can't, it just doesn't seem, I just don't see the upward trend at this point in time. The, the, the thing the is, though, it's weird, sorry, sorry to cut you, but it's weird, though, because we actually haven't lost that many games, like, since the World Cup. Well, oh, well, we, so what, we lost in the FA Cup, lost to City in the Prem, um, we lost to Fulham. And then we lost it. Okay, you know, it's been quite a few. It just feels like we've been drawing most of our games. I don't know why. It's, it's but, two um, wins in four. That's damn near. So yeah, even yeah. when you look at Arteta or even when you look at Arteta, he's never had a run of uh, a run of form that bad. Because if somebody told um, told you that, um, oh, random guy in random manager has been sacked after a winless run, uh, only two wins in his last 14 games. When you hear about ex ex manager from the football league has been sacked after a run, you're like, okay, yeah, I see it. Fair enough, yeah. You literally yeah, say fair yeah. enough, yeah. But where, where he, he, this guy is still being backed and everything, mm-hmm. um, to the point where because I don't see the potential for him being um, relieved of his duties or him coming under serious pressure this season, it's hard for me to kind of invest myself into. A strong argument for Potter. Well, it's a hard for me to say a strong argument for this guy needs time when I'm not seeing um, foundations taking um, mm-hmm. improving outside of individual quality. But it's also hard because um, the reality is it's very it's hard for me to see the current ownership kind of this re- reneging on their decision to hire him in the first place. Yeah, no, I hear that. I hear that. It will take some some real real. It would be embarrassing on their part if they were to do it. Let's just put it that way. Um, yeah. Like, very embarrassing. But I don't know, man. I just feel like if it's like, if in a month's time, let's say we're out of the Champions League and we're still not winning games, I don't know, man. I feel like there's still so much time in the season for him to come under pressure because there's a long way to go. You know, like how you said it's a write-off. I don't feel like it's a write-off. We're still, we can still get to the wall. It's so possible. It's like 10 points in what? How many games left of the season? About 20 games left? Maybe, I don't know. Probably, maybe just under... Maybe, let me check how many games are left. Uh, okay, so we've played 22 games, right? So that means there's 16 games left in the season. Like, it's possible. Um, but, you know, with every drop point, it's just becoming more and more impossible. Um, but, yeah, like I said, I don't know. We'll see, man. I, I think if we're, if we're, like, end of March, beginning of April, we're out of the CL... We're not looking to get top four. Uh, I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Let's let's move on to listeners' questions. Um, where are we? Okay, cool. Uh, what are your thoughts on Potter so far? We've answered that. 
from now to the end of the season, where do you think Potter should get us to finish in the league or UCL to make the fans believe in the quote-unquote process? Oh, so for the UCL, you got to go all in and do everything you can, play your best possible line Yeah, to try and get, get it, go as far as you can. If you can hit the semis, um, you've earned a lot of respect because a lot of managers um, in Chelsea have struggled to do that. Now, for the league, I'm personally of the opinion, if you can't make top four, I'd rather we miss all European competition. We don't. I, I really don't need to see us go deep in the Europa League next year with like Enzo, Xiao Felix. I really don't need to see that. We've got the squad for it, though. We've got the squad. We've got the squad for it, but and it's good for the kids. I'd rather make a bigger guy of the league. Mm, um, No, I agree. I agree. But at the same Mm. time, I still appreciate the merits of the Europa League group stage for someone like Conor Gallagher to round out his game. A Carney, 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 Carney. Even, even, even an Ian Mountson to kind of go ahead to head with Kukurea just to see who can be who who can fight that backup spot. Exactly. Um, let me just ask you a question outside of that. What would you do with Ian Martin next season? Because obviously, he Kukurea is the first big investment, one of the first big investments that the club, the new ownership made. And it's hard. I can imagine. I, I can't find them kind of turning, just saying, yeah, this is just this is a write off. This ain't working um, as quickly as they did with Lukaku because it is their money on this occasion, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, but Ian Martin just looks stylistically more of a similar fit to um, Ben Chilwell in terms of the way his marauding nature, um, mm-hmm. and that's what you want really. You don't want to you you want a similar style of player at least. The the, the levels um, can be different, but stylistically there's similarities similar to Liverpool with um, Robertson and Simicas. Um, so I haven't watched loads of Ian Batson. Um, I know he's doing very well and Burnley on top of the league. Um, and his style, like you said, I learned that about his style in terms of being similar to Chilwell. But I would, sorry, I would personally um, either loan or sell um, because I don't think, being an investment aside, I don't think it would be fair to Cucurella to get rid of him. Um, I know a couple of things have come out um recently about you know personal life being burgled and stuff like that so i think there's been wider context as to why he struggled um but yeah i don't think it'd be fair to just get rid straight away um and also um i still believe that there is a player in gorilla um i know what i sort of write and, and i was impressed um even early days chelsea um he showed some good signs um so yeah i think it'd be super harsh to just get rid um and i think he can eventually come good i think chilwell is um you know when fully fit and firing is like he's a very very good left back um and i think that would be a healthy competition i think personally but yeah yeah i think i for me i'd probably um extend the loan at burnley they're all but um set to go back go to the premier league so um, we can have a soft launch for Ian Marks and the Premier League footballer, similar to what we've done with Levi Colwell, a season where he's now, and without, unlike Levi, if he stays and we agree that loan extension very early, he's considered in their plans. They're not looking at any left-back spots um, 
and he's pretty much got free run at the starting left back position for a Premier League side. So he gets 30, 25, 30, 30 plus games as a left back um, just to see how he fits in a struggling side. And then we're able, as from a distance as Chelsea fans, to kind of get behind the idea of this guy being a part of the squad. Meanwhile, Kukurea gets a second season, um, probably a bit more settled in London to just um, rebuild the trust, just rebuild his opinion in 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 the in the eyes of Chelsea fans as well. So I think that's the best. Uh, but obviously, contract length comes into consideration as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so that question was from Prash. Um, so the second question is. Right back seems sorted with Gusto coming in, but there are still questions on the left hand side. What do you think we should do this summer? With oh, we've already answered that. <laughs> Timson, foreseeing the question. Um, next question by Westside Gun. When do we start asking questions of Potter's structure, or is it simply a case of chemistry? I think the chemistry point is very valid. Do you think there's a case to be made that because there's so many new players, they need time to actually gel? Um, I think that's that's a good like basis of the question that's been asked here. I think there is a case, a little bit of case for chemistry. Um, yeah, I think um, yeah. someone who plays like obviously not at any 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 amazing level. Um, so, as one of the players in my league, I play as one of the better players in my league. I'm then I've on occasion I've been selected to play um, as part of a representative representative side of that league to play against another representative side and that first game where I'm playing against um, better players in that league but um, they're players that I'm not used to playing with um, it feels weird trying to get a feel for each other they're used to maybe their man spinning in their, their, their striker spinning in behind you're used to receiving it to feet um, so it, it, do, it does take a, a process of kind of um, figuring each other out. Um, so, yeah, I, I accept that team chemistry uh, as a valid reason for needing time to gel. Um, but also, I'm not seeing... I'm, I'm, I'm also coming off the back of seeing a manager come in and kind of get a tune out of players um, quite quickly in a simplistic, dumbed-down version of a style of football that he hopes to play um, when Tuchel come in and played the back three. And kind of got certain players firing. Yeah, you've you've kind of um, you've segued into what I was going to say. On, on top of that, I think um, a, a, a good structure um, and a well coached like structure helps the team to to gel in terms of chemistry. Because um, as you said, like when Tuchel came in, um, obviously he inter- implemented a a very like set structure. Um, and everyone kind of knew what they were doing and it was quite clear to see like what roles everyone had and I think that helps with chemistry I think when it's a bit chaotic and players are kind of in and out the team and it's changing which to be fair Potter has developed a a base uh, six or seven players who we we know are going to start but yeah when it's like when it's a bit chaotic and you know um, it's not very clear what you know the role of the team is and the structure of the team is, I think that doesn't help with chemistry. So, um, yeah, whilst there are new players and they need time to, to, to work together, I think um, not having a clear identity 
it that doesn't help. Um, that that only prolongs the process. So yeah, that's kind of my my view on that. Um, we've already touched on the last question, so I won't ask that. Um, I think we'll end on um, on Andre Santos. I think you did you say you listened to something on him or you watched something yeah. about him? Um, so obviously, then... he's been scoring a few goals in the World Cup. Came back a world champion at under twenty level, which is impressive. But yeah, take it away. Yeah, so with Andre Santos, um, there was an analysis done on him um, as the captain of the winning side. And obviously, he was joint top goal scorer with um, Vitor Roque. Um, now, what was interesting was, A, the analysis. And what I didn't realise was that because the pseudo-Americana falls outside of the FIFA's unofficial break window by FIFA, clubs aren't inclined to send their youngsters to the Sudamericana tournament. So most of the time, the South American clubs, obviously, that's their asset. So they want to get as many eyes on them as possible. So they're happy for them to go. But a couple of um, European sides, um, no, I'm not really keen on my talent being looked at and or just leaving us at this current point in time. Um, so that was quite interesting to find out. But with Andre specifically, um, they talked about his style of play, how he just looked a cut above and how how efficient he was with his, his runs in the final third, despite kind of anchoring um, and basically having this do at all kind of um, approach to the midfield role during the tournament. So he was aerially a threat. Obviously, he scored a lot of headed goals. He broke up play. He led the team. We've all seen the viral video of him giving the speech. Um, but one thing, obviously, that come that that was kind of disappointing was well, they 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 earmarked him as potentially a perfect partner for Enzo Fernandez in a double pivot um, in that four-two-three-one because of the style, and um, they also marked how he was Enzo what, seven, eight months ago was signed for Benfica for um, 15 million euros. And they talked about his potential growth. And um, they were off they, they even kind of mentioned it might have been wise for Benfica to look to get a loan in for Andre Santos. And it might have been in Chelsea's best interest to give him that soft landing in Portugal as well. So it's not um, as big a jump in terms of learning the language and the style of football, because a lot of South Americans make that move to um, one of the top clubs in Portugal. But ultimately, one thing that obviously it irked me when I was listening to it in the gym was just, yeah, Chelsea, is Chelsea the right place for him? Obviously, mm. no, Chelsea don't develop youngsters. Chelsea um, stifle players. Chelsea's not a great environment. They just brought, bring in the next best thing if mm-hmm. after a couple of games. But it was more so on the style of play because they're unsure what Potter's doing in terms of the style of play. It's not clear the style of play. It's not clear as to what will be asked of um, Andre Santos when he arrives. So just from that, it's very hard to see um, how Chelsea plan to use him um, if they do use him consistently at all when he when he returns from the Sudo Americano. So the fact that my club is now 
obviously has its own criticisms for not kind of utilising young talents coming through, Harvey Bell, Hudson-Odoi, not reaching the potential, whoever, take your pick. Now we're talking about the tactical setup. That's a different problem. And this is a problem, obviously, um, that's occurred under Graham Potter. So it's definitely one I'm somewhat concerned about because they're fearing for a guy who can be a six and anchor and play defensively. He can be box to box and he can um, kind of progress play and be a threat um, in a more advanced position. This is a guy who can pretty much do all facets of midfield and they're still worried about the style of play Graham Potter um, might, might ask him to play. So that's the biggest concern. That was the biggest takeaway and the biggest concern for me about the analysis about Andre Santos. But as a player, um, away from Chelsea and the style of play he may be asked. It's very, very exciting. Yeah, man. Yeah, it does look very exciting from the outside looking in. Um, because, yeah, I've, I've heard a lot in terms of what he's been doing for Brazil and all that. But, yeah, it's very interesting. I think you make some great points in terms of the way Chelsea develop young players. I've got, I, I don't know, I've got little hope because, yeah, like, I look at the way, like, Carney is Carney's role in the team. Um, someone who's been very impressive when coming off the bench, but still struggling for starts. Um, when you've got, and, you know, guys like Gallagher are playing ahead of him. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, and yeah, generally, like you said, the history of us kind of developing these younger guys, because he's, he's 18, I believe, right? 19. He's just yeah. so, so, so young. Um, and of course, the squad is so bloated. Um, he's he's obviously wants to get his work permit. He'd be ready to play here and now, wouldn't he? Um, and you know we've, we've got quite a few bodies in the midfield. So yeah, man, I'm just not I'm not getting excited just yet because I just don't know what I don't know what the plan is for these guys. It's the same thing with Fafana. Fafana we bought from Mold. Um, you know I understand he's 19, but even he's not really getting cameo minutes, is he? Do you know what I'm saying? Like he'd even come off the bench against West Ham. Um, he came off. I I think his only two appearances was a 45 minute cameo against Manchester City in the FA Cup, and then uh, a 15, 10, 15 minute cameo against Fulham. That's it. And he's been here since what? Jan the, the beginning of January. So yeah, like I, I respect the scouting and uh, the plan to, to sign all these young players, but it's just always they, they just seem to be signed without a plan. So I said, I, I don't know. Um, yeah. So with Datro. Um, I feel like he's the minutes that he's been given were more out of necessity than um, opportunity um, because of his ability. So this is someone that Brighton would have looked at potentially. And um, it would have been interesting to see what Brighton would have done for him because even the guys who are their biggest assets right now, uh, Matoma was on loan before he arrived, uh, before he kind of settled and became the player that he is now. Even Caicedo, he had to go. He, he had to spend some time on loan before they brought him back in. So it would have been interesting to see if they would have done the same for Datro, because um, I'm I get the feeling that he wasn't signed to make an impact right now, in the sense that um, like he can, he can add value, he can add significant value now. He's more of a body with potential and we'll just see how he does um, mm. as opposed to now that we signed him, we're in a, we're stable in the first team. 
we can prioritise his development more so than the first team. But I don't think that's the situation for Farnes coming to. To be fair, and we'll, we'll, we'll end on this, to be fair, I do get that. But I feel like, I just feel like when the situation is kind of crying out for something different, especially when you consider the fact that um, Havertz is our only, okay, I'm not going to say striker. Dutch River Farnes and Aubameyang were left out of the CL squad, right? So Havertz has to not only start, but he has to finish pretty much every single game. So, you know, let's say, so let's take the West Ham game, for example, right? Which is like sandwiched right in between um, a Premier League um, a Premier League game last week and a Champions League game yesterday, right? Like there's an opportunity to to, to bring him on. or to, if, if not start, there's an opportunity to at least bring him on for a good 20 minutes. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, to give um, Havertz a rest because he's played he's played a lot of football. Um, I just don't understand why that wasn't used. Like I, I think two things can be you, you can still be someone that's not relied upon now, but still be used wisely in a correct way. Like bringing him on for like twenty minutes against West Ham would have made a lot of sense. Um, he's not because you know he's not going to play on Wednesday. Um, on Sunday, you know, again, if he doesn't get a, a solid run out, I'll be I'll be asking questions because. Again, Havertz has played a lot of football and you're clearly not feeling Aubameyang. So, and you just never know. Like, yeah, like, he might, you're not, you might not try to, trying to be reliant on him, but he might come in and just do really well. You never know. And then all of a sudden it's like, he's, he's surpassed your expectations and, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, cool. Maybe we can actually give him a little bit more responsibility, but you don't know unless you play him. So, yeah, that's just my take on that. I find it a bit of a strange one. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I guess we'll leave it there. Uh, it's been a blast. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. Exactly. Yeah, it's been a great, it's been a great session. And that is Jesse Hour. We are done. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.